This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. May I invite you to stand and have your music booklet with you? Flip it over to the back. And we are going to say the psalm together, and we will say aloud, say la, and then we'll pause for a count of five before moving on, okay? Pardon me? Including at the end, indeed. Together. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change. Though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult, Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city, it shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come. Behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. You may be seated. I think it was funny. They had to raise this up for the bishop and raise it up, and I'm the only one who's putting it down. <laughs> As some of you may know, um, I trained as a chaplain and worked in a variety of settings. I've worked in hospitals, in nursing home and skilled care facilities, and also um, in a crisis response situation. In each of these settings, the people I cared for were typically out of their element. Often they were disoriented by the sudden onset of an illness or their well-established routines and patterns had been suddenly disrupted, particularly as they moved to a care home, or they were displaced because of a catastrophic event. Life as they knew it had imploded. It left them, and oftentimes their families, devastated. In the midst of this chaos, one of the most uplifting and powerful things that a chaplain is called to do is to be a non-anxious presence. 
A non-anxious presence is a term originally coined by a Jewish rabbi and family therapist, Edwin Freeman, to describe an individual who provides calm, focused, collective, collected environment. They create an environment that basically contains the anxiety of another, that it empowers another to become relaxed because the space is safe. Non-anxious is the opposite of what patients and residents and victims are typically feeling. And chaplains have a role in creating that safe space for people to have their feelings, to feel their feelings, to tell their stories, to find regulation as they move out of anxiety and find their way back to themselves again. While this is a role of a chaplain, this is also the role of a really good friend. Friends who know how to listen, to hear our stories, to hear one another. Often the journey is long, but the chaplain has a very limited time to um, provide a respite for the weary and anxious person. The role of the chaplain is temporary, it's situational, it's limited. And on a good day, chaplains might lighten the person's emotional load or spiritual load and bring temporary relief from those who are wearied by their journey. But what they can't do is bring the lasting peace that is needed. And there's only one who can bring lasting peace. peace. And that's what 40, Psalm 46 reminds us of. Psalm 46 is a psalm of confidence. The psalm, as we've noticed, is in three parts. Kevin helped us see that confidence and trust emerge as the psalmist looks back, looks back remembering what God has provided particularly in the face of natural disasters in the earth and in the sea. It was about nature in that section of the psalm. Then Jonathan drew our attention to the confidence that we see in the hope, the hope for the future, as the psalmist looks forward to God's provision, particularly in the face of political uproar. And Jonathan challenged us, us to be prayerful as we look ahead, DV, God willing, Deo Volente, at what some of our hopes are, what are, what are the things that we're looking forward to as we lay our plans before the Lord. And we did that in the four quadrants plus extra time. This evening, we're going to look together at the final portion of the psalm, which we'll notice is about the present. Confidence and faith that the psalmist has in God's provision of peace. Interesting, the word peace is never used in this section, but it's pointing to peace throughout. So regardless of the desolations, the tumults, the totterings in the nations and on the earth, there is peace. So this third section, we're going to dig into it, is verses 8 through 11. And in it, the psalmist is giving voice to the confidence that we can have in God's faithfulness and protection in the very present moment, by looking at and noticing God's actions in making peace. In these final stanzas, we're celebrating that the Lord God is the source of long-lasting 
and uh, the long-lasting and non-anxious presence that we all need and desire. So let's look at verse 8. One of the things that I love about verse 8 is that it has two verbs that start the stanzas. Come and see. Come and see. In this, we see that God is inviting us to participate in looking at and noticing his unfolding story. The first part of it says, come behold the works of the Lord. I love that word, behold. It's such a fabulous word. It, it connotes amazement and awe and expectation. So what are the works that we are to behold? Well, Kevin alluded to this earlier when he was talking about Hebrew poetry and that it, it uses parallelism. So the writer says something in the first stanza, and he says the same thing in the next stanza, but he says a little bit more. So we get more of a, a fullness of um, what he's trying to say. So when he says, come behold the works of the Lord, and you look at the next stanza, what are the works? Desolations. What do you think of when you think of that word? It's disturbing. It is not a nice word. I don't like the word desolation. Uh, it's frightening. It it's just means destruction, and it paints this really bleak picture. So what are these works of desolation? Well, we carry on when we find this great twist in verse 9. His desolations, what he's doing is that he's making wars to cease to the ends of of the earth. So rather than this like source of fear in that word desolation, we find the reason for everybody's rejoicing, the awe-inspiring works. God is making wars to cease. He's breaking the bow and shattering the spears and burning the shields with fire. This is a picture of universal disarmament. Can you imagine? The bow, the spear, the shield are tools of warfare, and they're being destroyed and obliterated. Combat machinery, which that would be at the time sort of like the trebuchet, <laughs> is being dismantled. War is finished. We read about the cessation of war elsewhere in Scripture. In Isaiah 2.4 and in Micah 4.3, they both share this vision of weapons of war being turned into tools of peace and of a time when war no longer needs to be studied. The challenge for us comes when we're invited to let go of our human sources of safety and security and instead place our faith in God's protection. Evidently, we need to be told and encouraged to cultivate stillness and rest and quietness. We need to practice it. In fact, um, at Soul Care, those of you who have attended, this is what we do. We come together to practice being silent, practice being still, practice slowing down, practice listening. If you haven't come to a Soul Care, this is my pitch. We have one coming up next Saturday. Come join us. Come and see. Actually, I want us to take a few minutes right now to practice being still, and I have an exercise that can help with this. 
And some of you may have done this before. We're going to take that first part of verse 10, the be still and know that I'm God, and we're going to break it down to a very minimal prayer. Some of you have known, have done this before. The first line will say the whole thing, and then I'll lead us the second line, and we'll have a little pause. Lead us the third line, we'll have a little pause, and we'll have the final line. So trust me, we're just going to be reading scripture, right? I'm going to say it first, and then you say it back, and then we'll pause. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. Be still. Be. How many of you have done that exercise before? Yeah. Yeah. It can be really relaxing to do that and just to ponder and marinate in this. I wonder what would happen if we peeled this scripture back going the other way. Let's try it again, but this time I'm going to have us do it in the opposite direction. So just follow me. Be still and know that I am God. Know that I am God. God says, I am God. God. Again, very relaxing. What did you notice? Where you ended up was quite different, wasn't it? I commend this to you that going the other way, landing on God is a pretty great place to land in our meditations. <laughs> and so instead of the focus of ourselves, maybe turning it back and saying, okay, God, 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 who is our refuge and our strength, our very present help in trouble, is another wonderful way to engage with the scripture, to bring our minds to God. Being God's people, as we saw when we went through the life of Jacob, does not mean that we are going to be free from the ravages of life. We're not going to be free from the ravages of nature, melting icebergs, tsunamis, hurricanes, earthquakes, pandemics, or of wars or riots or tottering governments or terrorism or persecution, or even individual suffering. 
These are just our realities. Yet being God's people means we don't have to go through these challenges alone, that God is promising his presence. He's with us. And no matter what you and I have to go through this week, tomorrow, this evening, we're not alone. The Lord is with us. Earlier, we noticed that this section of the psalm is written in the present tense. But of course, wars haven't ended, have they? And the, wor- the world hasn't stopped shaking and things haven't stopped foaming. So what are we to make, about, make of this? Well, this is an example of the theological concept of already but not yet, which, which believers take hold of to say we are actively participating in the kingdom, but it's not yet reached its full expression, which will happen sometime in the future. There's this tension. God's rule is real in here, but not fully actualized yet. So God calls us to action, and it feels like his call to action is actually inaction. Be still. Be still for a while and regain confidence in God's goodness rather than moving back into the world that's not at peace, that we bring God, we look for God, where is he now that we can join him in his peace and peacemaking? Bringing your non-anxious God-confident self into a world that's shaking and trembling and roaring and foaming is such a gift. Such a gift to a world that is broken and in desperate need of his peace and healing. In confidence in God, in the certain hope that the Lord is with us, helps us join him in peacemaking. Each week at the Eucharist, the priest blesses us with these words. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the blessing of God Almighty. And it goes on. This is our equipping statement. This blessing, you know, I I was thinking about this with Jacob He wrestled blessings twice, right? He wanted a blessing. One, he stole. He stole his brothers. But then he wrestled the other one because he knew a blessing was so important. And every week, we, we get a blessing. We don't have to wrestle for it. All we have to do is receive it. And it's this blessing of peace that we get to participate in God's peacemaking kingdom. We get to be a part of it. And the best way we can be part of it is to remember to whom we belong and what kind of God we serve. And our God is our refuge and our strength, a present help in danger. There's such a variety of ways and opportunities for us to engage in works of peace, works of compassion, works of justice, works of healing. We engage in peacemaking as we expose the exploitation of the weak by those in power. When we work for justice, when we broker reconciliation, 
when we resist violence, when we care for the most vulnerable populations, when we protect widows and orphans and refugees, when we serve the marginalized and the poor, when we provide for the homeless, when we visit prisoners, when we welcome foreigners and refugees, when we comfort the dying, the lonely, the suffering, when we support and relieve other people's suffering, when we care for the sick and the afflicted and the addicted. These and many, many more ways are we invited and sent out into the world to make peace because God has equipped us by the power of his Holy Spirit to be peacemakers for his kingdom. God's rule and reign is cause for celebration. Psalm 46 ends with the congregation joining in the refrain that we have been learning. God, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Let's say that again. Let's stand up and say the whole psalm together in a spirit of just celebration for the, all that God has done in the past, in the future, and in the present. Together, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we shall not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. You may be seated. For in about 45 seconds, I'm going to ask you to turn and once again get together with a few people and answer this question. Throughout our time together, in particularly these last few verses, what has been meaningful to you in the, in the study of the psalm? What invitation, and particularly when we think about peacemaking, what invitation do you think the Lord might have for you? Share it with one another. You'll do that for five minutes, okay? Go. Go. 